Dear listeners, welcome to this bonus episode of the story of the six. He lies with his face down in the dust, his white beard matted, and the last few strands of hair sticky with blood. Flies buzz around the red blotches on his chest and belly. His once proud turban, now a shapeless rag, dyed a new color. He can't feel the pain anymore, just a dull throbbing sensation and the sticky wetness. He wishes that his last thoughts could be different. He would like to say the Sodar once again, but he can't collect his thoughts. Each time he tries to mouth the first verse, his thoughts disintegrate into visions of violence and anger and discord. His frail old body gathers strength, only to tremble in rage and lie still again. What is left of Hukum Singh lies by him, between him and the marble wall richly adorned in red. Hukum Singh's hands are tied behind his back with his saffron keski, the last of the old school grand ragis. He lives and breathes rags and gurbani. His voice is old and cracked and it trembles but every note is crystal clear and touches the basest of hearts. Hukum Singh's last performance is over. And what a performance! His Jodidar, who accompanies him on the tabla, has fled. But the LMGs that the Javans carry sound like a perfectly tuned tabla. How sweetly the guns sound the keharva! That fool of a Jodidar could never play the Keharva right. He should have been here to listen to the soldiers. Hukum Singh's last performance is unusual. There is no Manglacharan and no Alap today. There is no time spent tuning the Tanpuras and the Tabla. The Sangat is uncharacteristically quiet and calm, and their heads are bare. Such disrespect. Their hands are folded, tightly folded, but oddly behind their backs. They look scared, so scared. The perfectly timed Kerva begins on the guns, and in an unbecoming and ungainly display, the Sangath twitches and jerkily dances to the beat. And then Hukam Singh's voice joins in joyous celebration of the rhythm. His voice soars to the sky in a wonderful new rag, rising and falling in ornate gamak embellished thans, spanning tens of octaves, expanding until the Gurdwara, then the village, and then the entire Punjab, echoes the sound of the furious melody crafted so carefully by the widow and her gleeful kehrva pounding divisions. 
no longer a Sikh, but now a Sufi, dancing, dancing in agony and unholy ecstasy as each beat pierces his enormous body that is a magnet that sucks in their molten lead, and the rag comes out stronger and louder through every new mouth. It stops as suddenly as it begins. The last few notes bubble out of Hukum Singh's body and drip onto the old man's face. The Sangat has stopped its undignified, jerky dance and is sleeping, silent and sated. The widow's musicians have taken their music and left, searching for another audience. Baba Fateh Singh wipes the pool forming before his eyes, but there is still a haze before him making him squint. He groans as he somehow manages to raise his head a few inches off the ground. Hukum Singh's lifeless face has a grimace frozen on it, as if he died in the middle of a particularly intricate movement in the rag. It was the summer of 1984. Punjab, which had been in the grip of a decade-long agitation, spearheaded by the Akali Dal, a political party that purported to further Sikh interests, had been racked by violence. The nation's eyes were trained on Jarnail Singh Pindravali, a charismatic Sikh seminarian who the government blamed for the acts of violence that were now commonplace in the state. Jarnail Singh Pindravali, surrounded by a band of armed followers, was holed up at the Akal Takat, part of the Harmandar Sahib or the Golden Temple complex in Amritsar, an important historical monument that had been the seat of Sikh temporal power since the early 17th century. Arrayed against him was the might of the Indian government, led by Prime Minister Indira Gandhi, once an immensely popular leader who had displayed an authoritarian streak when she had seized emergency powers and established a virtual dictatorship several years earlier. Mrs. Gandhi, who led the secular Congress party, was under attack from the right. Accused by the Bharatiya Janata party of being weak, and unable to deal with the, quote, Punjab problem. In June of that year, when the Sikh world was observing the anniversary of the martyrdom of Guru Arjan, the fifth Sikh guru, Mrs. Gandhi decided to act. At a time when the Golden Temple complex was teeming with pilgrims, commandos from the Indian army entered the complex to launch what was intended to be a surgical raid to extract Jarnail Singh Pindramale. The expected outcome was a public relations coup which would repair the image of the Indian Prime Minister under attack for not being tough enough in the face of the Sikh agitation. The raid, codenamed Operation Blue Star, was an unmitigated disaster. Stiff resistance was offered and the firefight raged for days ending only after tanks were brought in to reduce the Akal Takhath to rubble. While the government claimed that there was minimal loss of life, independent sources told harrowing tales of high civilian casualties in the complex. 
Concurrent with Operation Blue Star, Operation Woodrose was launched by the army and 43 places of Sikh worship were attacked all over Punjab. The entire Sikh world was shocked and outraged at what had happened. A few months later, Mrs. Gandhi was assassinated by her Sikh bodyguards at her official residence in Delhi in an act of retaliation. An orgy of bloodletting followed, in which Sikhs were attacked in their homes in Delhi as well as in several other cities. Thousands of Sikhs were slaughtered, their homes were looted, and large numbers of Sikh women were raped as the police force looked on, often enabling the murderers by disarming the few Sikhs who tried to protect themselves and their families. In a breathtaking act of semantic chicanery, the government, with the help of a complicit press, labeled the violence a riot. It is ironic that to this day, even after the world clearly understands that what happened in Delhi was a pogrom, planned and executed by the fallen prime minister's closest advisors, the events are referred to as the, quote, Delhi riots. The excerpt that you heard at the start of this episode, dear listeners, is from my new book, Night of the Restless Spirits, a collection of short fiction that examines the events of 1984 from several different angles. This was just published by Penguin Books in India. The title story, Night of the Restless Spirits, is set at the Dukhnivaran Sahib Gurdwara in Patiala, which was one of the 43 Sikh places of worship that was attacked as a part of Operation Woodrose. The story revolves around Baba Fateh Singh, who as a young child survives the bullets of the British Raj at the Jallianwala Bagh massacre, only to fall prey to ordnance proudly manufactured in independent India, his own country. Baji is the story of a young Kashmiri boy a student at an elite school in Delhi who falls in love with a schoolmate, Sharan, who is sick, and lives on the outskirts of Mongolpuri in northwestern Delhi. She rebuffs his romantic advances, but they become friends, and he is invited to her home to meet her mother and her older brother, a medical college student who becomes a mentor to him. Mongolpuri explodes into violence after the assassination of Mrs. Gandhi, and the boy tries to protect Sharan and her family, setting off an unexpected chain of events. The General is the story of Meg, an American woman who, while an undergraduate at Northeastern University in Boston, falls in love with and marries a Sikh graduate student, Raja, who is from Delhi. Their happy life in New York is disrupted by news of Operation Blue Star. The attack on Sri Harmandar Sahib prompts Raja, who has given up his Sikh identity, to embrace it again, and he enters the orbit of a group of young Sikhs who are enraged by the army action and want to respond to it in some manner. The arrival of a suave Sikh general who retired from the Indian army and claims to be handpicked by Janel Singh Pindravale to lead a resistance movement in the U.S., seems to present a heaven-sent opportunity. Raja wholeheartedly embraces the general's cause, 
with disastrous consequences. The curfew tells the tale of a young IAS officer who hails from a family of Punjabi Hindu traders based in Saharanpur. The young man graduates from the Lal Bahadur Shastri National Academy of Administration and is posted to Hoshangabad, a small town in Madhya Pradesh. Hoshangabad is home to a community of Siglikar Sikhs who are targeted after the assassination of Mrs. Gandhi. While his superiors go into hiding, having received instructions to let the bloodletting continue unimpeded, the young IS officer flouts the orders and decides to call in the army to restore calm, a decision that is to have profound consequences for him. The court-martial is the story of the trial of a group of Sikh NCOs and soldiers who stand accused of desertion and mutiny in the aftermath of Operation Blue Star. The soldiers who belong to the 9th Battalion of the Sikh Regiment, stationed at Ramgar in Bihar, disturbed by the reports of the attack on Harmandar Sahib, had seized weapons, commandeered trucks, and had deserted their cantonment, intent on getting to Amritsar. They had been apprehended and arrested after a firefight and now stand accused of multiple crimes. In The Martyr, a young journalist sets out to investigate the assassination of a newspaper editor by terrorists and discovers that things might not quite be as they seem. The survivor tells the harrowing story of Lali, the only male Sikh who survives a savage attack on the Delhi-bound Tinsukia male at Kanpur following the assassination of Mrs. Gandhi. The female journalist who broke the story ends up marrying Lali and is filled with admiration for her husband's heroism and resilience. Several years after the massacre, a chance encounter with an eyewitness exposes the helplessness that every human being feels when confronted by unimaginable savagery and brutality. Kultar's Mime, a story in verse, is set in Tilakvihar, also known as the Widow Colony, where the survivors of the Delhi pogrom of 1984 have been settled. It follows the fortunes of a group of children who try to deal with their PTSD several years after the brutal events. Thirty-six years have passed since the events of 1984. The trauma has been buried deep by the Sikh community, which has been under pressure to, quote, move on. Generations of Indians born after the mid-80s know nothing about 1984. How could they? This is a chapter of history that is missing because nobody has a stake in talking about it. Yet, it is profoundly important that the events of 1984 be talked about. For Sikhs, this is the pathway to catharsis and healing. Every Sikh who was touched by 1984 has his or her own unique story to tell. Gultar's Mime, which was adapted for the stage by Jay Meherkor, was performed 90 times in six countries. I've had first-hand experience of this catharsis from the talkbacks that followed every performance of the play. 
the audience invariably included survivors who shared their stories of brutality, heroism, and survival. The scourge of sectarian violence will always stay with us as long as we have cynical demagogues posing as leaders who try to divide us for political gain, ensuring that the many 1984s that we have lived through do not fade from collective memory is an important endeavor that can help preempt the next one. Night of the Restless Spirits represents a small step in this direction. I conclude with an excerpt from Kultar's mime. Fearsome yells and chants of blood mingled with painful agonized screams of anger, fury, rage, a flood, brutality beyond our wildest dreams. Breath and gasps, eyes reflect her fears, down her cheeks stream desperate tears. Four times already the mob has come, can't shut out its ugly, sinister hum. Four times her father and brothers, too, rushed brandishing their shining swords. Four times repulsed the angry hordes, but then more came, and the mob grew. To hope for mercy they cannot dare, their eyes are shut in silent prayer. Even louder now is the terrible hum, once again they pick up their swords, an urgent beat sounds on death's drum, the river of reason the mob now fords, launches its final murderous attack, each man to the wall now has his back, they try to protect the ones they love, what courage, what valor, but God above, even he looks away or has shut his eyes. There are just too many, they do prevail, to pieces is hacked each and every male. The women mute, shocked, cower like mice, their peril so urgent, acute, and so real, of satanic laughter they can hear appeal. She's never been so afraid in her life. She's too young and innocent to comprehend. As they come to her, waving stick and knife, she thinks they'll kill her, this is the end. Sweet Rano, don't bother to hold your breath. Pray harder yet, but for the boon of death. Don't fear the knife, embrace it, you must. It's all that lies between you and their lust. You're young and you cannot even think. These are not men, but lust-crazed beasts. Tonight you're one of their carnal feasts. There are depths to which they're yet to sink. They circle around like birds of prey. Her beautiful face is pallid, ashen, gray. All she can see is a huge circle of hands, Fingers that flex, squirm in lecherous glee. Big hands, small hands, dark hands, pale hands. On all of them spots of blood she can see. The lascivious hands and their lewd dance. Realization comes to her in a single glance. She begins to tremble and frightfully shake. As a firm hold on her body the hands take, her body is lifted up high in the air by the hands and carried to the next room. Oh, desperate day of pain, death and doom. She struggles, 
kicks, weeps, tears at her hair. They toss her roughly on a rickety bed, a resounding blow she feels on her head. Night of the Restless Spirits is available in India, both in bookstores and online. Thank you for listening to the Story of the Six podcast. This episode features a rendition of Rag Dilang by guitar maestro Ritham Sarkar. Our audio engineer is Amandeep Singh. I am Sarpreet Singh, writer and narrator. <laughs>